Hi, Mr. Close. <laughs> How good it is to be with you all. Uh, it's good to recognize some familiar faces. It's good to be back in my hometown. Uh, but uh, I do recognize lots of new faces because I haven't been around in a while. I've been out at Lancaster Bible College. Uh, I graduated there. Well, I guess uh, you, got, you guys need to know my name. That seems important. My name's Dominic Matranga. I grew up here going to Grace Bible Church. I went to Lancaster Bible College for my undergrad degree. I graduated in 2020 with my Bachelor's of Arts in Pastoral Ministry and Biblical Studies. And now I'm back at LBC working for them and uh, getting my Master's of Arts in Biblical Studies and Theology. And uh, I'm just happy to be with you all. I'm thankful for this opportunity to be here with you, preach God's word. Uh, and I'm, with that, let's uh, dive in. Uh, it was the year 2020, and uh, that may be triggering for some of you already to hear that, uh, those uh, numbers in that order, but I was finishing up my bachelor's degree, as I just told you, at LBC, and I was trying to enjoy senior year as much as possible, get the most out of the experience. And then, as we all know, it didn't go quite as anyone planned, the year 2020, and the rest of my senior year, gone. Normal graduation, gone the promised, covenanted uh, Israel trip at the end of the Passman degree, gone. And I don't want to minimize how 2020 went for anybody, because I know it was a rough year, but there I was, and this is how it went for me, stuck at home, uh, working at Ace Hardware 50, 60 hours a week, uh, fighting and trying to do everything I could to get back to my life in Lancaster. And then later that year, uh, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And that just sent me down the spiral of, God, what in the world are you doing? However, God kept showing up, kept providing. Many of you brought us meals, provided for us. And he kept showing that, the, that this is where I was meant to be, but I refused to accept it. I didn't want to accept that, so I kept trying. I wanted to get back to, get back to Lancaster and be at the, with the life I built out there. But after many months of slowly learning this lesson, I knew that this is where God had me, and he began to open doors when I learned this lesson. And then two weeks after my mom was officially declared in remission, praise God, uh, the job I'm at now just opened up, and I applied and couldn't have been much sweeter of a deal, and so now I'm back at LBC. But do you ever have moments like that, where everything seems to be going sideways, and the only thing you can ask is, God, what are you doing? Aren't you faithful? Aren't you good? Today we're going to be looking at Genesis 21 and 22, and I would like for as much as possible for us to take off our deep theological thinking caps and just uh, sit with this text, because there's a lot of fun things in this text I found that while I was doing my research that we could totally nerd out about, but there, there is two simple foundational doctrinal truths about who God is in this text that I just want us to sit with. And we're going to be following this climactic story to see just how faithful and how good God truly, truly is. Now, my church out in one city, we've been going through the book of Genesis, and we've been working through the story of Abraham, and I've come to call it the Abrahamic saga. And I have a timeline here for you all to catch you guys up to speed on where we've been. So in Genesis 12, we have the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, God says to Abraham, go to this new land, and uh, I will make of you a great nation. And by faith, Abraham just up and leaves. He goes. And he, at this point, is 75 years old, and God asks him to go and start this new life. 
And uh, then later in Genesis 12, we see a, a little bit of a messy situation. Abraham lies and says that his wife Sarah is just a sister to get out of a messy situation. Uh, he, and then in Genesis 14, we see Abraham rescue Lot and then is blessed by Melchizedek. And then in Genesis 15, God comes to Abraham again and reminds him of the covenant. He says, remember, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars above. But then just one chapter later, chapter 16, we see Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. Sarah comes to Abraham and says, you know what, Abraham, I'm... I'm not getting any younger. You're only getting older. Maybe it won't be me that brings you the promised child. So what if, what if the child comes through my servant Hagar? And so then Abraham has a child with Hagar when he was 86 years old. And, but then in the next chapter, God comes to Abraham again and says, the covenant is coming. I am faithful to keep my word to you. And this time he gives him a sign of the covenant, circumcision. And, the, and then he reminds him again after that that Isaac is coming. And at this point, Abraham is 99 years old. He's been waiting forever. And in Genesis 18 and 19, Abraham intercedes for Sodom and Gomorrah, but God ultimately destroys Sodom. And then Abraham again, in Genesis chapter 20, pawns Sarah off as his sister. And the R text today is just like the rest of them, a roller coaster ride that reaches the climax and conclusion of the Abrahamic saga that we have been moving through. Go ahead and, and turn into your Bibles to Genesis chapter 21. We'll pick up in verse 1, and we'll be tracing God's undeniable faithfulness and goodness to, through two of the most dramatic chapters in all of Scripture, in all of the Old Testament, all of Scripture, I'd make the case. We will see that God's faithfulness will never be stopped against all human reason, thinking, and logic. Genesis 21, verse 1, The Lord visited Sarah... As he had said and did, and as he said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. Guys, this is it. He's finally come through on his word. Do you hear it? The covenant is being fulfilled. Yahweh, the true one and only God, visited Sarah and did as he promised. This is good news. What? What's that? You still don't see it? Well, go ahead, look at verse 2. It keeps going, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. This is it. This is what God did. He opened Sarah's womb. He, made, he allowed for her to conceive and bear Abraham a child. He was faithful to his covenant with Abraham. Not only did she conceive a child, but she carried the child to term and he was born. But not only was the child born, it was a, he was a boy, a healthy, beautiful baby boy. And this is important because this is the way that the Abrahamic line would be preserved and fulfilled according to the covenant, according to God's faithful word. But you may be asking, like I was asking when I was doing research for this, how come it took so long? for God to open up Sarah's womb. The author of Hebrews notes in chapter 11, verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself received the power to conceive and even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. In Genesis chapter 12 through 17, we see that Sarah is really wrestling with, and it's made especially clear in chapter 16, that she doesn't have the faith that she, that she would be the one to carry the line on, and then in Genesis 18 through 20, we see a shift 
and Sarah, though. She gets to witness firsthand the almighty power of God who destroys an entire city and in chapter 20 opens and closes the wombs of women. Then in the, then Hebrews, the author confirms it for us that it was Sarah's faith in the one who had promised her that brought about the ability to conceive. Brothers and sisters, do you see how exciting it is? How exciting it is that God kept his faithful covenant? Because if you don't see it yet, it's okay, because verse 3 helps clarify. Abraham called the name of his son. Oh, good, we get to finally know the name of the promised child. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. There's so many qualifiers before we get to the exciting part of the name, who Abraham called the name of his his son, Isaac. Do you see how absolutely stunning this is? This is colossal news. God is faithful. Verse 1 starts out a little vague. Maybe if you just opened up your Bible on a whim, read it out of context, you'd be like, God visited Sarah, did as he promised. Well, what God promised? What, what happened to Sarah? I don't know. And so then you read on to verse 2, and the author goes on and says that Sarah bore Abraham a son. And what, that's what God was talking about. But then in verse 3, there's absolutely no denying that the author wants you to see how magnificent and historical that this moment is, even for us today, believer. This is important for us today because after decades and decades and decades of waiting for God to come through on his word, Abraham called the name of his son. Hold on a couple qualifiers first. What did he call the name of his son? Well, we got to know that he was, the son was born to him. All right, how was the son born to him? Through Sarah. Sarah bore him a son and Abraham called the name of his son Isaac. Do you see how big it is? How exciting this is. I believe that Moses, the author of this text, does not want you to miss it. Then that's why he said it every way possible in just three verses. There's absolutely no denying that this child is totally and only a complete work of God's faithfulness to his covenanted promises. Think about the Israelites coming out of Egypt who would have been hearing this story about their God who was faithful to them. They could say the very same thing, leaving Egypt, that against all human reason, against all human thinking and logic and statistics, they too were freed from slavery. God is faithful to his promises. So what is it that you're waiting on? What are you waiting on God for? These things are written for our instruction. The Bible is to literally be our sacred script on how to live rightly with God, with others in his world that he created. So what is it that you're waiting on? What can we learn from this 25-year-old promise? Let's keep reading verses 4 through 7. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. How many of you are empty nesters? Go ahead, keep your hand up if you're planning on having another kid in the next 10 to 20 years. Oh, that was quick. Abraham is 100 years old. 
He's 100 years old when Isaac is born. I hope you're hearing and seeing the shock value in this text because they literally named the promised child Isaac, meaning laughter. They didn't go with God's covenant. They didn't go with God's faithfulness. They didn't go with God's promises. They were so flabbergasted in this moment that their only reaction was to laugh. They laughed. You know those moments you experience when you're just so shocked and you don't know what your reaction should be and you're just, and the next thing you know, laughter comes out of your mouth? You just, they laughed. That's right, they named their child Isaac, meaning laughter. But there's more to the name laughter. Isaac, meaning laughter. It points back to the long journey of them waiting on God's faithfulness. Abraham laughs in Genesis 17, 17. His laughter is like I described above. The name laughter points back to this journey because we laugh at all types of things. It may be easily misinterpreted or misunderstood because we laugh at jokes. We laugh in mockery. Sometimes we even laugh in pain and in sadness because we don't know what else to do. But this laughter here in our text is characterized by the sheer joy that can only come from a fulfilled promise from God. I mean, read verse 7. It's like Sarah is still trying to understand and comprehend how after eight days of probably cuddling this baby, feeding this baby, probably listening to him cry and smell his poopy diaper, she's still asking, is this even real? She asks, who would have said? And while she asks rhetorically, I will tell you literally today that God did. God said that he would do this, and he reminded them time and time and time again. And he did. He provided for them a son. Child of God today, whatever God says he will do, he will do it. In this next section of Genesis 21, we see God's faithfulness despite the interference of man and his sin. Uh, I've entitled this section, God Doubles Down on His Faithfulness. Well, there are several interesting things to look at in this text. We're going to look at it from the 30,000-foot view because I want to focus and hone in on Isaac uh, and the fulfilled promise today. But the, 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 the Reader Digest version is that uh, Sarah saw Ishmael uh, look, uh, make funny faces and laugh at Isaac. And you better believe that Mama Bear Sarah was having absolutely none of that. She called to Abraham immediately, and she said that Hagar and Ishmael need to be kicked out of the camp. But Abraham's torn. He's torn. After all, it is his son. But God speaks to him, tells him to do as Sarah says, for he will provide and honor his word because Ishmael is from the line of Abraham. Hagar and Ishmael do struggle in the wilderness, though, and they at one point are facing certain death. But God, but God in his faithfulness, provides and protects them. God faithfully provides and protects Ishmael and Hagar because in his faithfulness, he is honoring his word to Abraham that all of his descendants, he will, he will be faithful and provide for. God remains faithful to his covenant blessing despite the sin and the blatant distrust that brought about the birth of Ishmael. God's very character and nature is good and faithful. 
God is sovereign over all, meaning that he has stood before all of time and decreed and ordained everything that was to come and that is to come to pass. So God, child of God, you can rest in that today because even in this broken, fallen world, when we are at a loss for words and we are, don't understand what God is doing and we're speechless, we're like, God, what are you doing? How? Why? Aren't you faithful? Aren't you good? He has decreed and ordained everything that has to come to pass because we can, and in those moments, we must return to Scripture because throughout the entire meta-narrative, meaning the overarching storyline of Scripture from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, we can see that one of the major themes is that God is faithful. And child of God, you can rest in that truth today because 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. It is his very nature to remain faithful. It is not based off of any merit that we have ever mustered up to warrant his faithfulness for we would never warrant his faithfulness. It is his nature to be faithful to us. He has always been, he is currently faithful, and he will be faithful for the rest of eternity. Psalm 34, 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. God is good. Romans 8, 28, the classic Bible band-aid Bible verse, but listen to it in the light of God's faithfulness and God's goodness, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for his purpose. And for all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Do you truly believe that? That God is working all things together for the good of those who love him? What about Philippians 1.6? And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Do you truly believe that in your heart of hearts? That the faithful God who is good of over everything has not given up on you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He is still working in you. He hasn't given up and he is going to make you complete for the day of Jesus Christ. God is faithful. God is good. Now we can jump into chapter 22. We'll pick up in verse 1. Verses 1 to 2 of Genesis chapter 22. After these things, God tested Abraham, said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Oh, what a response to God. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac. Okay, God, yes, that is my only son who you gave me, Isaac. And then he says, whom you love. Yes, God, I do love Isaac a lot. He is, that's my boy. I love him. And he goes, go to the land of Morah. All right, God, what's there? And, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you? Excuse me, God, what? Are you kidding me? God, you literally first gave me this son when I was a hundred years old. And now you want me to murder him? What are you? Are you even good? Even faithful? Wait a second, God, aren't you against this murder thing? What, now you're asking me to murder my son? 
If you're Abraham, what are you thinking? I'd be devastated, crying, pleading, God, no, there has to be another way. I'd probably be angry too. Maybe I'd even try to run away, escape. What's Abraham do in verse 3? So Abraham took Sarah and Isaac, packed up everything they had, and fled. Nope. So Abraham rose early in the morning. What? Saddled his donkey, reading through verse 8, and he took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham's been sitting with us for three days thinking about this. Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on, his, uh, on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. Parents in the room, imagine your kids. Everyone in the room, just stop what you're doing and try to picture this with me. You just received word from God that you are to kill and sacrifice your child. What's your response? Wake up early in the morning and go do it? Imagine like Abraham, okay? You decide to go through with it, and you're walking to the place, and you're holding your son's hand. You're walking to the place to go do this, and he looks up at you and goes, Daddy, and you go, yeah, don't, don't we usually have a lamb or something for this when we go and do this kind of thing? Oh, doesn't your heart just break? God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? Last chapter, you were so good, and you were so faithful. And now you're backing out of your promise? God, what are you doing? Note what Abraham says, though, in verse 5. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. It doesn't say that only he will return. He says that they will go over and come back again, again, meaning the same way that they left. How does Abraham answer his son? God will provide. Isn't the faith of Abraham just stunning? He's confident that they will return and that he's confident that God will provide. Genesis chapter 22, verse 9. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. God, what are you doing? You can stop this crazy test now. Abraham literally just said two things that proves he has faith in you, God. Isn't that enough? I mean, Isaac's literally bound and laying on the altar right now. God, think about the poor boy. He's bound up, looking at his father holding a knife. He's seen this many a times before he knows what's happening and what's gonna happen. God, aren't you good? Aren't you faithful? You can stop this test. 
Genesis 22, verse 10. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. He took out the knife to slaughter his son, and while he was in the act of doing it, but the angel of the Lord came from heaven and said to him, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, oh, sigh of relief, here I am. Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son, his only son. So Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Brothers and sisters, against all human thinking, logic, reason, and statistic, God is faithful to provide. Will you, Abraham, walk wholeheartedly before your God? even if it means sacrificing all the promised benefits that come with, that you've received up to this point, will you love, fear, and revere God higher than anyone, anything, or anyone else? Are you willing to let go of comfort, luxury, convenience? Are you willing to let go of a dream job, a dream car, or a dream ideal of what your family should look like because of what you see on social media? Are you willing to let go of the dream you have in your head of your legacy so that your legacy is truly and only marked by God's faithfulness? Are you Abraham? Are you willing, child of God? Let's read on 15 through 19. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this, and you have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies, and, and in your offspring shall the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men. And they went and arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived at Beersheba. How was Abraham able to live like this? The author of Hebrews, again, gives us insight in Hebrews 11, 8 through 19. I encourage you to read all of Hebrews 11 as it would help us understand, but I'll hit the highlights for us this morning in Hebrews 11, 8 through 10, and verse 12 will hit as well. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward, verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose builder and designer is God. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, Isaac, uh, lost my spot. 
Therefore, uh, him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Do you see how he's able to live like this? His hope wasn't in this life. It wasn't in anything or any person, but in solely in God and the promised city that is to come. 11, 17 through 19, I think I have that one as well, yes. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his son, his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You see, Abraham's faith was not in his son. It was in God who gave him his son. And he had faith in God that if his God said that this is what he must do and that if God said his descendants would be as numerous as the stars above and if he knew that this was God's will to sacrifice Isaac, God would even raise Isaac back from the dead. Brothers and sisters, God requires that the faith we have in him produces obedience. James, in chapter 2, verses 21 through 22, recounts this story to further his point that genuine faith produces works of obedience. We must serve God with genuine, faithful obedience with pure intentions. We must never lose scope of why we obey God. We don't obey him out of habit, out of uh, obligation, salvation, not for blessing. We serve and obey God out of love of God. Everything we have is God's. Even his promised blessings. And everything God does or allows, he uses to sanctify us. Sanctify us is to deepen us into the image of Christ, to conform us more like his son. James 1 says that he is using trials to make us perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. So count it all joy. How will we respond to our faithful God? How much more? As 21st century people and believers should we respond to God's faithfulness. We have seen the culmination of God's faithfulness in the person that is Jesus Christ. You see, God the Father did not withhold his one and only Son, Jesus Christ. He sent him to earth to walk and to live amongst broken, sinful human beings so that we may know God the Father. You see, sin has eternally separated us from God the Father. But in his faithfulness, despite our faithlessness, he provided a way for us to know him. The good news of the gospel today is that despite our ever-wandering hearts, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus' sacrifice is the ultimate culmination of God's faithfulness and God's goodness to us. Jesus' sacrifice is is what conquered death. Jesus' victory defeated the grave so it would have no hold on us so that we could have life and life abundantly so that we can know God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can rest in these promises today. Isaiah 41.10, do not fear for I am with you. 
Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What about Deuteronomy 31.6? The Lord himself, Yahweh, the Lord himself goes before you. He's not only going before you, but he, is, he will be with you. He has never left you. He will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. John 16.33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Peace. In this world, though, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 29. Come to me. Come, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What about John 8, 36? So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. James 4, 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's just a list of few. Let these promises wash over you and penetrate your heart. How you respond to God, who has been so faithful to you. What is stopping you from having faith in the faithful God who will provide? God is faithful. God is good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for who you are. We praise you for your faithfulness, your goodness to us, God. We are so undeserving, but God, it is your nature You faithfully have sought after us. You faithfully have provided your son so that at the end of the day, no matter what is happening, we can be secure, sealed by the Holy Spirit as a child of the Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being so good and so kind to us, God. We pray that you would be with us. God, we confess that we are faithless and we rebel and we wander, but God, you have provided a way. So God, my prayer today is that no matter what we are going through, no matter what is fighting for our attention, no matter what is distracting us from the good news of the gospel, God, that we would be able to see your faithfulness, see your goodness, God. You have always been faithful, and good. We praise you for your revealed word so that we can know you and that we can know that you are faithful and good, God. We pray that this truth would be what we rehearse today and this week and that you, that we would be able to see you showing up, being faithful, good, and providing this week. We love you. We praise you for time together in Jesus' name. Amen.